Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. While the world whizzes by, enjoy a moment of me time with Tim Horton's new $6 breakfast bundle. Savor a small hot or iced coffee. Then add your choice of a mouth-watering hot breakfast sandwich and a crispy golden hash brown. And your pick of a classic donut. Yeah. All for six bucks. All just for you. Make your mornings all about me time with our $6 breakfast bundle. Available at your neighborhood Tim Hortons. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's going to be like the Flint Tropics up in there. Like, they're going to have to have freaking Kenny Payne wrestle a bear at halftime to get somebody in the stand. <laughs> Everybody gets free corn dogs, Jackie. Free corn dogs for all these people because Hersey Miller hit a half court shot. We're back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, Presley Meyer, your host for the most, Jacob. Jacob Lane back with us tonight. Nothing really going on around the city of Louisville, right? Especially in the basketball front, right? Nothing. No, I've been more fascinated with the Michael Orr story today. To be quite honest with you, the most fascinating thing I've heard in a long time in the sports world. Blindside is just, to, to be honest with you, blindside is just like the theme of the day. Everybody's been so blindsided. That's so great. We got our pod title within the first 30 seconds. You there you go. All right, man. Well, I'll man. see you later, Taylor. We'll, we'll, we'll see you later. Yeah. Good thing there's nothing to talk about it. So, um, you know, I, I saw that commercial where uh, somebody, what are those beds called they have in New York City? Like uh, that fold into the wall. Oh, what are those called? Let's look well, at speaking it. Of I can, beds, I can speaking of weird, weird, weird bed situations, man. You're coming to me live from the bunk beds in Oldham County. Oh, I mean, dude. Let me tell you, you just you just make do. When you're doing an emergency pod, you just make do with what you got, man. We need to get Steepleton um, on board to where we can just do this show in a bunk bed. Like you on the top bunk, me on the bottom bunk. The microphones just kind of dangle between the two, and we just chill yeah. on our bunk beds doing a podcast, man. Yeah. Brought yeah. to you live do whatever you do on bunk beds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's called a Murphy bed. So if you've ever seen the commercial with the, with the Murphy tub, that's what I was thinking about. I just want to do some DIY stuff. So there's nothing going on with basketball. You know, get myself a nice Murphy tub. So you know what I'm talking about. So so the the beds that you know you've seen it probably at an Airbnb, a loft of some sure. sort, perhaps to save sure. some room. Uh, they have a bed that folds into a wall. So mm-hmm. the, I've the also idea seen from, like 
bookshelves that open up to other rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of like that, except for much worse. And they go upstairs to the bathroom, and there's a bathtub that's a Murphy tub, and they fold it in, and all the water spills out. You know, just like bad ideas, whatever. Anyways, speaking of bad ideas. Yeah, what what just happened? Tonight. What just happened? What was that? Was that like a conversation that you forgot to have earlier that I, I have no idea what you were just talking about? So yeah, cool. Uh, Murphy tub. I learned I did learn the Murphy bed, day beds. Have you ever slept on a day bed? Another kind of popular bed. I don't uh, know tell, if that's the, the, the tell same me thing. what that experience was like. I'm not sure. It's like a futon, but kind of fancier because it's like a like a guest bed in a situation. You know, if hmm. somebody needs a day bed, typically by day it's a couch, I guess, and then by night it's a bed, but you know, it's still a bed. I don't know. But just Murphy bed, day bed, futons, the big yeah, uh, well, bean bags well, that yeah. turn into beds. Well, what about a water bed? A water I've heard bed. that you're not supposed to do mushrooms and then get on a water bed. That's good just, advice. I can see why that would be. Um, yeah, I don't reference. have experience though. Yeah, so so don't do mushrooms when you get on a water bed. Uh, any other beds? Pull, pull out couches. Um, you know, those certainly fact, count. More babies are made on pull-out couches than regular beds. That's just an ironic fact of the day. You are just dropping knowledge here you'll, quickly, you'll, man. You'll get that one day when you grow up. You might wake up in the morning and be like, "Oh, pregnant on a pull-out couch." I get it. Ha ha. Anyways, mm-hmm. Trenton Flowers. Just drops a bomb on us. Drops a what's that movie that just came out recently? Speaking of pulling out, that's what you meant to say. Speaking of pulling out, Trenton Flowers. <laughs> no, what, what what is the movie that just came out? You know that the, the really highly acclaimed movie that came out, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, he, yeah. He dropped an Oppenheimer on us. He, he sure did. Him. And so we're gonna get into that a little bit tonight. I do want to kind of bring up, you know, since we're just on the topic of just getting off a little bit. A little bit more on topic, but a little bit off topic as well. Today was just a weird day for me, just in general. You ever have one of those days where you feel like everybody's just being rude? It's not on purpose. They're just in a bad mood. Like people are just being rude. It is Monday. Like Mondays are just, you have to face the reality that you're no longer off. Like you don't have control of what you do for nine hours out of the day. And I think people just need a couple hours to, and sometimes a day to get through that. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, even as, as late as this afternoon, like just customer service was bad. Talking to customers was bad. Like it was just all bad. And sometimes you just got to have a smile on your face. And obviously the news that we get today, you know, I, I watched this video of this girl at a Taylor Swift concert today. And I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that comes out of this Taylor, these Taylor Swift concerts, but it's unbelievable. The obsession that people have with Taylor Swift, like and it's, it's not just like some people like I get it. Like if I saw my favorite artist, like it's very moving to see someone that you really appreciate. You feel like you grow with, but there are millions upon millions of people that react the same, the same way that have this same, this very expressive reaction to Taylor Swift's music. And I was watching this video today and I caught myself because it was like 30 minutes after we got the Trenton flowers news. Right. And I'm watching this and I'm like, who is so obsessed that they're just yelling the lyrics and just ruining everyone else's time around them. I'm like, wait a second. That is literally me at every football and basketball game. So I have no idea what I'm talking about, but that, that that's just the, that's the, that's the way that we learn to express ourselves about things that we love, things that truly matter to us, things that we care about. And we saw a lot of that on Twitter today. I will say, so a lot of times I think that just the serendipity of life, people just come and, and events happen in your life that make you kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit, make you realize like, okay, this is not that big of a deal. 
Like Trenton Flowers going to Australia to play basketball is not that big of a deal in the grand, grand scheme of things. I won't say where I was tonight, but I was I was picking up some food. Guy in front of me, long conversation. I'm not trying to listen in. I'm not trying to eavesdrop or anything, but I just overhear what happened. The guy in front of me only had enough money on his credit card for exactly what he bought where I was getting food. And the guy said, you know, the guy behind the counter said, well, yeah, this is under $10. So we have a transaction fee of $2. So we don't, you don't have enough money on your card. So we're going back and forth. This is that kind of stuff that makes you think about. I had enough money on my credit card tonight to get that, not to get too deep, but like there's just different things that happen in life. that like bring you back down to earth for a second. You're like, okay, a 17 or 18 year old deciding where he's going to play basketball is not that big of a deal. And so that I always try to throw these disclaimers in during a four and 28 season that had to happen a lot more than I would like it to, but I do want to throw the disclaimer in. When we get into this stuff, we will be passionate about it. We'll talk about it uh, in a critical way as we should. We should look at things through a critical lens, especially with everything that's involved in this, the amount of money that people make, uh, the amount of time and investment that, that people put into it. So when, when, when people get involved, emotions will come into play, get that hundred percent. But also when we say that by the same token, we're going to get up from our computers. We're going to go hang out with our families and enjoy our lives. That means so much to us. So if you're listening to this first and foremost, just remember that. But as we're getting into this, Trenton flowers announces out of the blue, seems like it blindsided everybody in the Louisville program. I, I don't, I don't think there was a single person besides the flowers family that knew this was happening. And I think, so it was a very quick timeline from announcement to statement to second statement to Twitter fingers kind of getting ahead of folks. Uh, but I think that the statement from Kenny Payne tells you everything that you need to know. Right. I think it, I don't have it in front of me. I probably should if I was being uh, a professional. I show up to podcasts with Peppa Pig diaper boxes. Right. I don't take podcasts seriously. If I did, I would have the exact statement in front of me or we would play it for you. But something to disappointing news, whatever it was, we found out this morning. And one thing I know about the sports world, typically with transactions, whether it be with you know this new landscape of NIL and players reclassifying, which reclassifying is not new. Players going overseas is not new. We'll get into kind of the history of Australia and college basketball connection because there is quite a deep history of players trying this route. But what, what really stands out is the timing of how this un unfolds, right? These just didn't materialize this morning. This didn't materialize yesterday. This is a process of negotiating a contract, being able to understand what it's going to take to go to Australia. To be quite honest, like, don't get me wrong. What Trent did at Tinseltown with the kids was great, but they're seeing Haunted Mansion and he's up there like Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be here. Like, that's he, like, at that point, that didn't happen tomorrow or yesterday or this morning. This has been a process. And so for me, you have to understand what would be behind this decision. At, at the end of the day, you know, as business owners, as professionals, we see the value in somebody being able to pursue their dreams, be paid for it, and be, you know, compensated to the value of which they feel that they deserve. No one is is saying that Trenton Flowers shouldn't have pursued a professional career. No one is saying that that he shouldn't go pro. I mean, it seems that the if the contract is there, the situation is there to go and play in one of the top leagues in the world, you do so. But the the process and the timeline of which is un unfolding, and we may never know, is what led to this. Is this simply? I mean, you got if you read between the lines between the tweets from Trenton Flowers, which was deleted hours later. You read what Sky Clark retweeted or tweeted at a fan who was asking about the point guard situation. If you read between the lines, Trenton Flowers was saying, "I am 
what Sky Clark is being talked about. And if I'm not going to be that, I'm not playing here. But at the same time, who knows what the contract situation was? What happened when the 36ers? So weird. What the, like a 36er? Uh, somebody just needs to become the 69ers at this point. Like, let's just embrace that. <laughs> somebody should become the 69ers. But the 36ers, they come with this lucrative contract to offer. The Australian basketball pipeline is strong. Josh Giddy is a guy who played for this exact team and is now, you know, one of the top young players in the league. Trenton Flowers sees himself as that. His family sees them as that. Is that the truth? Is that what he is? The verdict is yet to be rendered on that. We'll find that out. But you can't knock a kid for going to do that. But at the same time, you can question the motive. Was the motive this offer was extended months and months ago? And when Trenton got here and he started to go through practice and workouts, maybe he saw that he wasn't going to get what he thought he should and then said, you know what, I want to reach back out to that pro team and see if that deal might still be on the table. Maybe that's exactly what happened. But let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on how Kenny Payne shakes out in all of this? Because that's the big thing that fans quickly want to jump on. This is Kenny Payne. This is his fault. I think we all instant reaction like, all right, this is the end. It's over. We're done. But if you have some time to kind of step back, what are you thinking now with all the these nice adult logical things that you've laid out so far in this episode. Yeah. Well, when you look at, I have the full quote here earlier today, Trenton and his family inform me of his decision to pursue a professional career overseas. So Kenny's saying he learned about this just this morning, just on Monday. We're certainly disappointed in his decision and the timing, which that's obviously probably the most important thing to get into right now. We fully believe in the University of Louisville's ability to help student-athletes reach their goals, including play at the highest levels of professional basketball. We're confident that Trenton could have achieved his dreams by making Louisville his home. However, we wish Trenton and his family well in all of their future endeavors. Okay, so overall, very professional response, but I like that it wasn't Calipariified because there's so many things that are Calified in this Kenny Payne program. He wants to get the best players, and he wants to develop those players into future NBA players. And he wants to mentor them. And he wants to, you know, he's big on on development, but he's big, big on getting the best guys. He said that over and over again. And we've seen how that played out down the road at Kentucky. Initially very successful. The brand has kind of taken some hits over the last few years because while they're still putting NBA players out there, those NBA players are not equating to wins on the court, especially when it matters the most. And so fans are super nervous to see that, number one, because that's how your rival's doing things. And it sucks to just say, go against everything that that your rival's about for the last decade. And then you bring in the right-hand man for Cal for the last decade, and he kind of treats things the same way. So you know if this was John Calipari, he would have approached this in a much different way. He probably would have said, you know, it's our goal to put players in the pros. We're glad that Trenton made that decision. But I think the most important thing here that, and he pointed this out was the timing, right? So when, when he made this, this decision, Louisville has had less than a week to fully formulate their roster. And that's just because of the way that call that, that college works. Right. Uh, I mean, most schools, as far as I know, most colleges start this week and when Louisville starts next week. Uh, so literally Louisville has six days from right now that we're recording Monday night. They have six days from right now to add two scholarship players because Tyler Johnson, the guy that we've been back and forth about that the staff swears up and down that they're confident is going to show up, still not enrolled at UofL. Uh, so that's another kind of interesting piece to get into. 
we were talking about earlier in the offseason that Louisville didn't have enough room to to maybe maybe add another guard because there's too many forwards, there's too many wings, there's not enough enough scholarship spots left for a guard. Then you know Trenton Flowers comes into the fold in this class, and we're like, oh, well you know Trenton Flowers is a guard. Then you bring Tyler Johnson on, and you're like, okay, well I feel a lot more confident about this season. All of a sudden we have you know three, four, five guys that are bona fide ball handlers, bona fide leaders, bona fide distributors, and now all of a sudden. You look at the roster and the two guys that you brought on to kind of alleviate that stress. Uh, one is for sure gone. And the other one, it sure as hell seems like he's not going to show up uh, for whatever reason, whether it be eligibility. I, I don't know what the situation is with Johnson. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, but regardless, you have two roster spots open that you desperately need to fill. And you have six days. And there's no guys out there, Jacob. Like, there's not, like, at least as far as we're aware of on our radar. And I no, don't think there, the staff. There's one. There's one, right? Okay. There's one guy at this point. He, so here's what's interesting, right? Let me just kind of set the landscape for folks who have not been following. The portal technically closed like two months ago. But what has happened is this loophole with graduate transfers and guys can graduate in the summer. And so what you have seen over the last several months and weeks really recently um, is a handful of guys who have gotten to a situation that they don't like. They've graduated. They've not or they've not technically like there's just all these kind of technicality loopholes and they've gone back into the portal. Right. So the mo most recently was a cock, a cock, which I sound silly saying. And I'm so sorry. I am five. But he goes from UConn winning a national championship to Georgetown to play there and to be a part of that, that uh, Ed Cooley class. And then ultimately for whatever reason, uh, you know, if you read between the lines with some of the posts from burnerball.com, which is like the newest thing for college basketball from Chili Donovan, which what world am I living in with these names? Like in 40 years, people are going to be like, what is he talking about? Uh, but if you read between the lines, it's NIL related. They're not getting what they have promised back in the portal. They go quest Glover is the name that I like. Uh, like I wish Louisville would have gone after him the first time he went into the portal, played at Florida, transferred to Samford, has gone through the draft process the last couple of years, 17, 18 points a game, one of the top three-point shooters in that conference, dynamic, lights-out shooter, commits to BYU over concerns about eligibility, ends up being becoming a graduate player, back into the portal he goes, and now it's it's Kansas State is what it seems like. So there's guys that have hit the portal late and have Quinn Slazinski, another one, right? Rick Pitino, ultimately the roster crunch with adding, uh, I believe it was Chris Ledlam from Harvard, who was at Tennessee before, like that – that leads Quinn Slazinski into the portal with a, a program like West Virginia who had lost Trey Mitchell, who goes to Kentucky. So like these little weird moves opened up scholarships late, but now there's really not much you can do. There's no recruiting process left. It's about if you have a guy, if you know something, you go all in at this point with a bag. I mean, that's ultimately what you can do. And I don't think there's enough time to do that. There's not a player in the portal right now outside of quest Glover at the, the guard position, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Jalen Rucker who played at Army, who was an all-conference, uh, all-Patriot player. But I, I'm not sure if he's on Army's roster. He's still listed. He's in the portal as well. So I have no idea. 
it, it's weird. There's nothing left, man. This is we're right back. And I, I, I try to not keep going back to last year. Like I, I don't want to keep doing that, but we're right back from a roster makeup spot where they were last year to where it is sky. And then you don't know it's, it's like Hersey Miller and don't get me wrong. Karan Davis heard some positive things. Seems like a talented player, but that is not enough in the ACC to go out and win big games. The starting five is still not bad. I mean, let's just, it, Trenton Flowers was a nice piece. It was going to be a starter probably at that shooting guard or small forward spot. Um, but what they did this offseason was they recruited at that spot very well. So now you have Sky Clark probably as your starting point guard, Mike James, uh, and Trey White in some form or fashion, and then J.J. Trainer, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, or Dennis Evans. Uh, that's not bad. Uh, but what's behind them, man? You upgrade as far as a, a, a talent perspective for over last year. There's there's no doubt about that. And I think from a team uh, you know, continuity perspective, uh, I think it's pretty solid. Seems like a group of guys that that fit well together personality wise. Seems like their games for the most part. Now we're talking about that that point guard position. I still think they're lacking there, but I think overall, from a perspective of the way that they mesh together, there's a lot of really solid pieces there. But they're really young. Again, they're really lacking at that guard spot, man. I think that that Sky Clark could be a lot of things for Louisville this year. I think that he could be really special. But I mean, filling in like let's let's not act like L. Ellis wasn't shit either last year. I mean, he was the, the team last year. What's the difference? Like, it's almost like that meme of like corporate wants you to spot the difference between these two photos. What's the yeah. difference? There, there, right there's not. I mean, like when you look at last year, I mean, Jalen Withers was a, a, a supremely talented player. He never was what Louisville needed him to be uh, over his last two seasons at UofL. And I think that's what it will because he was so talented. But from a talent perspective, I don't think you get any better at the four position. I mean, it depends on where Brandon Huntley Hatfield plays. But I mean, you have JJ, JJ trainer, right? But but I mean, you had JJ last year, and so that's you know that's a concern from from that perspective. On the wing, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of depth. I mean, you have Trey White, you have Mike James, Danilo Jovanovich, Kurt Williams. I'm just going to call him Kurt. All yeah, year. and then you got know. you got Kurt, and you got Caleb Glenn, man. I mean, there's Caleb Glenn like that. That's, again, that's they recruited that spot extremely well. That's solid. Like, I, I think. I mean, honestly, when you look at the roster now. I mean, you know, you could be looking at, at Caleb and Curtis getting a lot, a lot more run. You know, whoever kind of fits the mold better, uh, you you get Caleb and Curtis playing, and they're playing more of the three and four position. I think that's really what you look at when you talk to Caleb and you hear from Curtis. You know, they they see themselves as a two through four, uh, and I, I think that they have every bit of that ability to do so. Uh, but but it'll be interesting to see kind of the way that they they mesh together, but. I just I'm so nervous about the way that things will ultimately work out if Louisville is just running with Sky Clark. I mean, yes, yeah, Sky Clark could could be maybe what L. Ellis was last year, but let's not get it twisted. L. Ellis was at, at times Louisville's only option last season. And so I, I think it's important to realize that I mean they they're gonna be in the same exact position at that guard spot. And ultimately, as we know in college basketball the way that that the rules work in college is completely different than any other level of basketball. You know, when we watched TBT over the summer, TBT was aggressive, but it's a lot more spread out. When you look at the NBA, obviously it's incredibly spread out. When you look at European ball, 
or any form of international basketball, it's much more spread out. There's a lot more room to operate. Uh, they have the continuation rule. So it's, it's, it's interesting to step back and look at the way this team is built because, yeah, I think that Kenny Payne is smart in the way that he's built it because, yes, in modern basketball, it's not required to really have a, a Peyton Siva-esque ball handler. But in the same breath, I would also say that, that Louisville is still a college team and they're still, you know, they, 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 they're not going to be able to spread the floor like other levels of basketball would be able to. And things are going to get mucked up, and you have to have a point guard. You have to have somebody that, that's willing to do the things that nobody else on the team wants to do. Is Sky Clark that guy? I think that remains to be seen. Illinois fans, for, for lack of better terms, are, are snake-bitten over Sky Clark. They are. Yeah. And and real quick, I want to point something out. It's really interesting you, you bring that up because I'm going through his Twitter uh, right now looking for a tweet that I wanted to kind of bring up and mention. But one thing that he tweets, this is – in a way, the awareness of this tweet right here that I'm about to read says a lot about Sky Clark. And it's something that, like, I'm just – and I don't want to trash L. Ellis and Sidney Curry, but for them to pile on today, like, it just felt very – like, the relationship with those two guys particularly has been very odd between, like, Louisville Twitter and what has happened with basketball. But Sky, Sky Clark tweeted, hashtag Cardination, y'all take it easy on young fella. He did what he felt like was best for him. The timing was bad, and I'm a living testament to that. And for that, I'm sorry, no matter the circumstances. That's And there's more to it. But he's a special talent and felt this was best, uh, we're, but we're good over here. Trust me. That last part is good. Like, I'm you know, I'm fine with that confidence. But it's really interesting for him to have that kind of self-awareness to know and point out the fact that, like, obviously there was bigger things than basketball that you've pointed out in, in tweets with Illinois fans who are trying to throw him under the bus and make him look like he's this bad guy. And look, you know, Sky Clark's another guy that played for a lot of high school teams. There's people can draw lines and make conclusions about people very quickly on social media. But it, it, this kind of awareness to understand like that he walked away from his team in a very hard time and, and it has this is behind Trenton Flowers, uh, but acknowledges the timing is bad. The thing that, that Sky was what I was going towards was Sky pointed out, you know, the point guard is more than just bringing the ball up. Like, that's not just what a point guard does, right? And so, yeah, Jalen Withers brought the ball up last year. He turned it over a lot doing so, um, right? But Mike James brought the ball up. We've seen Jared West bring the ball up. Noah Locke bring the ball up. We've seen, over the years, we've seen a number of guys. Like, if you go all the way back, Larry O'Bannon and Francisco Garcia, they did that. But what we what we tried to tell people last year and what I've constantly seen kind of misconstrued on Twitter is this notion that bringing the ball up makes you a point guard. Being able to have a basketball IQ, to see a step ahead, to be able to playmake for others, to anticipate plays, to know what's happening on the court, that is above and beyond just being a, a wing who can handle the ball. Marcus Gasol used to bring the ball up for the Grizzlies. Uh, like, and Marcus Gasol is 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, 265 pounds. And Nikola Jokic brings the ball up all the time for the Nuggets. In the finals, it's one of the coolest things about the Nuggets was watching Jokic bring the ball up. But those guys, personally, what sets them apart is the IQ. And what was missing last year on offense was just four other dudes who knew what the hell was going on. I mean, we talked about one of my biggest issues with Hersey Miller – with Jalen Withers, with Mike James at times, was they would get the ball and be like, oh, shit, I don't want the ball. I need to get the ball back to somebody else, you know? And that is a sign of not being confident and being able to handle the ball, take control of the offense, keep the tempo at, at mind 
stay within the rhythm of what you're trying to accomplish. Louisville desperately needs high IQ players who can complement a point guard. I think this team better suits that. Look, Trey White's numbers don't lead to him being a playmaker. Um, neither does Danilo Jovanovic or neither does Karan Davis. Like none of these guys don't, they don't have the numbers, but you hope the thought is that you complement guys who have the ability or who have shown in some form or fashion that they can do it around a guy like Scar- Sky Clark, who is that and can be that. And you hope that that brings the best out of everybody. But that's the problem, man. You can't do that when you just went four and 29. You can't do that. That's what that's what concerns me the most, man. I mean, and we said it all 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 the time last year. Do you remember the time that Hersey Miller was hurt and L. Ellis was hurt? They, was they Sean had, McCormick? They put Sean McCormick in there. <laughs> <laughs> they had Mike James was was running the point. And Mike James had like four fouls. And I was just I just remember sitting there and just looking at what was on the floor and being like, how is this? Like it was an ACC game. I'm like, this is Louisville basketball. Like this is a perennial, like if you're not a powerhouse, you're right there. Like if you're not a blue blood, you're like a seafoam green. You're right there. You were damn close to being a blue blood. And this is what Louisville has on the floor right now. What, 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 are, you, what are you laughing at? I hear Jack, man. He's back there just getting it. He's trying to let you know he wants to do something else. Stop being in the bunk bed. Come out here and hang out. Well, so here's the thing. Like, I'm in a room with a closed door, and I know that Megan is out there trying to, trying like hell to get him to shut up. Like, I know, like, I can hear just like, stop it. The situations in our house are very similar. You know, we have our significant others taking care of business so that we could do this emergency pod. They have no idea what Trenton Flowers did today. You talk about life perspective. My wife came home, not unbeknownst to her, babe, this is brutal. Louisville just lost their best player. She's like, great. I got a lot of work to do. And we got two kids we can take care of. She's passed out in his in, in the baby's room right now because he's in sleep regression. And if you leave his room, he loses his shit. So we got our our significant others holding it down so we could come up in here and just goober it up talking yeah, about Ma- basketball. Megan's got like some kind of stomach, but I don't have a stomach bug or she just ate something bad. But she was just laying on the couch dying. And I walked in from work and she just goes, what happened with your boy? I was like, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and just building on this notion of our significant others and Megan not feeling well, like the difference in me not feeling well and my wife not feeling well is like I'm done. If I'm sick, like I can't move off the couch. My wife will be out here with like COVID just out here balling, taking care of the kids. Like just there's no illness that's going to stop her from momming. And I, that is just incredible. I could never do it because an illness will stop me from dadding very quickly. As an eight-year-old wide receiver would say in this household i'm just built different just built that's right built differently man that's that's true and and what's gonna have to be built differently for kenny Payne is the style of play and roster makeup because you're talking about i I still think one of the things that can change this team um and this is wishful thinking right i'm a i'm a fan i'm an optimist like i'm trying to see the silver lining in this uh, they still have Dennis Evans, who is size-wise like a game changer. I don't know if they have another piece. Mike James, Trey White, we'll see about Karan Davis. But do they have another lockdown defender who can change the game defensively? That you know, because that's I, I've talked a lot about this this offseason. Like if you go back to the game against Shamanad last year and against Lenore Ryan, like they were letting. Guys who looked like me and you, like no offense to guys who look like us, they were just going around Sidney Curry and L. Ellis at will, yep. right? They were just do- – every team had their way. Bellerman, 
Um, I don't remember who else they lost to. I've blocked it all out. Arkansas won by 70. You know, like they were just, there was no desire to play defense. Dennis Evans and that, that rim protection, like think about some of the best shot blockers you've ever seen, right? Dikembe Mutombo. Um, you know, Yao Ming is a bad example because he was just a million feet tall, but like shot blockers make the game so much more fun for your team defensively, because even if you get beat, you have a guy who, you know, like, dude, no one's dunking on him. No one's going up over him. No, like he's going to change whatever you do at the rim and Louisville can hopefully lean into that and allow that to become their identity. But man, he's 17 years old and he is the size of a string bean, you know, weight wise. Like I wish I could trade weights with him and I'm 5'11", 5'10", like on a good day. And this man is seven feet tall, you know? So like there's hope and there's reasons to believe that they can do this, but this roster is built as if he, if Kenny feels he has three more years, two more years to get it to grow, right? Like, right. think about what FIU was, or FAU was in the tournament and what San Diego State was and what some of these teams we've seen lately. They're seniors, they're, they're six year seniors, they're fifth year seniors, but a lot of them have come up through their program and then they've added around them. Kenny highlighted the fact I want to build, but Kenny, bro, like, you can't be an architect right now. You don't have time for that. You need to hire somebody to to build an, or you got to figure something else out on how you can quickly turn a team because we are going on year six of no NCAA tournament wins. Like with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The modern kids of like high school, college, they don't remember a time of Louisville being good. And that's a real problem when you're trying to rebuild your program. Let's think about this for a second. When's the last time that Louisville went six years without going to a bowl game? I mean, it's not, not in our lifetimes, right? I was going to say, I mean, even maybe you know, in the early nineties, those... I'd, I'd have to think back to that, but uh, obviously making a bowl game was a lot different back in the day, but the, the point still stands making the postseason in general is that's just the, the standard here. The stand, the, the bare minimum to think about the fact that we've had to become acclimated to the fact that, okay, well, they're probably not going to make the tournament this, this season. Like, that's not something that we should ever be comfortable talking about. And I know we, you know, we talked about, you know, there's a lot more things to life, but by the same token, when you look at, at Kenny Payne and the staff, the, the money that's sunk into them, the amount of money that, that the program is losing because of their lack of success. Yeah. It didn't start with Kenny Payne, but what, what the new staff has done is done nothing to instill confidence 
like they have been anything but successful as far as the PR side of things go. And unless you're a group of like 15 people, we all know who those people are in the city of Louisville. Uh, He's done anything but instill confidence in players and fellow coaches and and fans uh, on on the court. Uh, There's really nobody except for a very select group of people that are are in, in Kenny's corner. And I think that's that group of people is growing a little bit more silent as well. I mean, you hearing this in the background, it's, it's unbelievable. I am. You know who's about as loud as Jack right now are those three folks who uh, Rick Bozich talked to, uh, the two fo- whoever it is, right? Like, to me, it's Jerry E's and it's Butch Beard, probably, because that's seemingly who Rick Bozich talks to about yeah. little basketball. Don't you love how all of a sudden they're anonymous sources? No longer. Right, but before, <laughs> right before, man, they're putting their yeah, name out there. Yeah, before, they're, they're ready to put their name out there, but now... It's funny, too, so that the headline of that article, and this is nothing to disparage Rick, Rick Bozich. He's just doing his job, and he knows that he's the one person these people will talk to. Uh, so I, I, I get it, but, but by, by the same token, you know, the, the headline is, you know, well, these people say that, that Trenton Flowers wasn't the best guy, so don't panic. He wasn't the best player. But then they go on to say literally like three paragraphs later that, well, he is the best player. He's just not playing the best right now, and that – He'll probably be the best by the end of the season. Like he has the highest upside by far. But like right now, no, Trey White's the best player right now. Well, no shit. Trey White is the most experienced player. He's the only person on this team that's played the NCAA tournament. Like he's the only person on this team that started for a true high level power five team. It's it's apples and oranges. And like, I I get trying to find a silver lining. Like, you know, I'm the king of, of trying to find silver linings, especially for somebody who's trying to do a podcast after almost every single basketball game during the two worst seasons in program history trust me I, I i understand trying to find optimism in this situation but by the same token you're you're just blindly following someone if you truly think that that this is going in, in the direction that it needs to be going and at the end of the day i i think you have to look at it from this perspective jacob when you look at this roster and you look at the top let's say if we if we just sat down and ranked the top 100 coaches in college basketball if you picked any of those guys, you just had a wheel with those guys' names on it, and you spun that wheel, and you gave those guys last year's roster, how do you think that that situation goes? I think we can all agree there was enough talent. And and I I remember the arguments. Like, it's the same thing with Satterfield at 19. There's enough talent on that team to be more productive than four wins. Okay, so you look at it from a, from a little bit different perspective, but you have that same wheel, right? And you give them this offseason. You give them Louisville's resources. You know, the, the best college basketball facility in the country, college basketball arena, I mean, uh, you know, a top 25 basketball facility, uh, a top 10 fan base, a top 10 budget. The the overall brand of Louisville basketball is, is still high. Like, it's not what it, it should be, but it's it's up there, as we talked about. They're that seafoam blue, seafoam green blue, right? Like, they're right there on the cusp of being, of being a blue blood team, right? When you give them all of that, if you take one of those top 100 coaches, you could spin and land on any of them. And I think that you'd have a better offseason than what Kenny Payne had this offseason. I'm not saying that that won't translate the wins on the floor. You stick uh, a, another mid-level ACC coach with this program, right? And you let them go to work. I think they're going to have a lot more success than Louisville had in this offseason. And that's what concerns me. Uh, and, you know, we, we've had this staff build as – Okay, well, Kenny Payne is, is you know, probably one of the five best coaches to never get a head coaching job. 
and this is Louisville, so it just makes sense for him to come back. Or Nolan Smith, you know, he's one of the best up and coming recruiters. Uh, there's the, you know, you you can't you can't doubt how good of a recruiter Nolan Smith is. You have, you know, he won a national championship at Duke. He he was a part of extremely successful teams under the probably the the best or the second best college basketball coach ever, right? And he has the connection of his dad was one of the greatest players to ever play for Louisville. And then you have Danny Manning, who is widely considered probably the best college basketball player ever. And you take that that superstar sav, you mix all that in with the brand that's Louisville and the budget that Louisville has, uh, and and you factor in every single aspect of that. The the product should be infinitely better than what it is right now, and I think that's what frustrates the heck out of people so much. It almost feels like at this point that Louisville almost has like a curse or something. Louisville historically has just never done well since since the days of maybe like never nervous Purvis. Louisville has never done well with top recruits. So you look, you go back to Sebastian Telefair, Brian Bowen. I mean, God, Brian Bowen gives people, sh- people shudder when they think about that name. Amir Johnson, VJ King. VJ King is the first player on that list that even suited up for Louisville one time. Uh, Jay Scrub, the best player when you go back, the most successful player to ever be highly rated. And then that translate to college basketball was Wayne Blackshear. When you look at, at, at college basketball rankings, which those started around the year 2000, right? Now, I know that there were highly regarded players that ultimately ended up, like Riff was a very highly regarded player. Purvis Ellison was a very highly regarded player. The McCray brothers were very, very highly regarded. Marcus Mabin. Like, there are a lot of names that, that are out there, and I get that. But, like, when you think about just the recruiting website and the recruiting article era over the last 20 to 25 years, every time that Louisville brings in a highly rated player, and this is just the next name on that list that they just don't pan out for whatever reason. There's just this curse around it. And and not only with, with basketball, but it's the same way with football. We've had this conversation with uh, Louisville had five straight classes in football where their highest rated player either never even suited up for Louisville or ended up on the team and then left. It's just this weird, strange curse. It's almost like, I think this was the most confident we ever were about, about having a top player that, was ultimately going to make it to the NBA. So factor all that in though, it's just, it's just incredibly frustrating that it just hasn't worked out the, the, the way that we expected it to. I want to respond to this in, in two parts. The first being to the off season. I think there's no denying the, they had a killer off season. They brought in one of the top recruiting classes. They landed two five-star players. They got Trenton flowers to reclass. He was on the verge of making the USA night under 19 team. Like he's a potential one and done player. And Dennis Evans is a game changing shot blocker. You know, they brought in Sky Clark, who is a former five-star recruit that they definitely brought in nice pieces. And so to say that their off season was not, not a wash. That's not verbatim what you said, but to say that like other coaches probably, yeah, would have done it better. They brought in Trey white. I want to make sure I add that they retained Mike James, JJ trainer, big moves. What I think Kenny missed. And I'm alluded to this earlier is I think all of us are saying like, Kenny, bro, you are on the Rick Pitino one day contract, one year contract. You have no time. This is not a, they kept adding freshmen after freshmen. And we're like, Okay, is he going to add a senior? Is he going to add a graduate graduate transfer? That never happened. And you wondered, okay, is he 
is he is he not comprehending that this is a win now situation and you don't win with freshmen? Look at what John Calperi has been going through. Look at some of the, you know, look at what Duke was last year filled with freshmen. They didn't do much. Like, I mean, I know ultimately they had Kyle Filipowski and they had a winning record and John Shire got that program to not be a complete turd after coach K leaves, but they they didn't win a national championship. They didn't go to a final four unless I'm mistaken and I blocked that out. But Kenny came in here this offseason and built as if there's three years left on that contract or four years left of wiggle room. Like we're all saying win now he's saying, give me time. That has contained. That's still the case. There is no error, no, no room for error when it comes to the amount of time. It's this year or it's never. If he doesn't make the tournament or come close this year, I, I don't know what he does, man. I, I don't know how he can fight and argue for his job. But when it comes to the overall aura of Louisville recruiting, one, let's just stop recruiting juniors in high school. Maverick Rowan, that didn't go well for Louisville. I'm going to take it back a little bit further. Jeremy Tyler, dude went to Japan to get away from Louisville, man. I mean, like (laughs) we got to stop recruiting high school juniors uh, and just stick to the senior variety. Uh, But when it comes to players that got away, you mentioned Sebastian Telfair, Mayor Johnson, Jay Scrub. How about, you know, and you meant Brian Bowen, Dante Smith. There are others who have gone pro and ultimately left Louisville hanging. And it's a testament to the talent that comes through here and some really bad luck. And I don't think Kenny was immune to that bad luck. But at the same time, it's just just kind of this reminder of you don't need five-star McDonald's All-Americans to win championships. You know, you mentioned VJ King, Sam Williamson. Smarto Samuels was good, but never really what you expected. Malik Williams was good. Uh, but ultimately never really what you expected. The, the five-star McDonald All-Americans have not worked out for Louisville's uh, Shaquan Aaron, not the, the the way that you would want. And so moving forward, I think the way that college basketball is is shifting is you got to win that portal. It's so much more incru- important than recruiting five-star All-Americans. Uh, freshmen are great, don't get me wrong, but you need those senior guards who are playing in their fourth and fifth year who are coming in as one-year stop gaps because that ultimately is who – is prepared for a lot of these moments who can handle the ups and downs of a season who doesn't need the development and seasoning of a, of a young freshman team. Uh, And that's not what this team is. So it's going to require a lot of patience. Uh, It's going to ultimately be out on this coaching staff from a development standpoint. If you can't get this team better than middle of the pack ACC, that says a lot about you, about how you recruit, about how you uh, uh, evaluate talent, about how you build your roster out. And Presley, before today, where Trenton Flowers leaves Louisville, that's the most significant kind of ACC roster addition of the last month. I mean, there's been some others that have happened. Uh, but I had Louisville ninth in the conference with Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami, and Wake Forest being better than them. I think now, you know, considering Tyler Johnson might not uh, come to Louisville, Trenton Flowers is clearly not coming to Louisville. I think you're looking at Louisville being somewhere between about uh, 11 and uh, between 10 and, and 13 in the conference. And I, I love that they hired an alumni, but this is where it gets really awkward where we all got to look at ourselves in the mirror and just, it's not working, man. It's just not yeah, I, working. I think you can look at this roster and say, okay, well, they could probably run through the non-conference with just three or four losses, which, when I say just three or four losses, that makes me just feel kind of gross and icky even saying that. But, I mean, they're going to play Texas. We know that officially. That's uh, that's a piece of college basketball news we can talk about very quickly. Um, the Empire Classic in Madison Square Garden. We knew who was involved. Uh, UConn, Louisville, Texas, and 
Who am I missing? There's one more team. UConn. They're going 0-2. Let's just call that a space. UConn, Louisville, Texas, and uh, no, Indiana. 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 That's right. Yeah. Indiana and UConn probably going to be two top five, top ten teams when they play each other. Texas probably a top ten, top fifteen team. Uh, Louisville will not receive a vote in the rankings. No. Louisville will not be ranked during for no. that game. Be, be shocked. No, no they're going to be ten points. Bet, bet, bet Louisville to lose in that game. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but like whatever the line is, it's probably not enough already. But but regardless, uh, just just to bring that up, that that is an important scheduling notice that we got. A lot of teams are coming out with their schedules. Uh, Louisville will probably be one of those teams within. It's 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 August 14th right now. I'm going to say the first or second week of September we'll know the non-conference schedule. Uh, that's that's my really bold out there uh, prediction. But here's your here's here's the you're going to get that from other teams releasing their schedules. Exactly. Yeah, you're just going to piece it <laughs> right. together and go. Right. Oh, well, there's like one team out there that we're not sure who they're playing. It's going to be like a, a revenge game against Chaminade or something. Right. Or IUS, just so yeah. Kenny can get Wiley on the schedule. Like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just you know, Jacob and I, we were kind of talking about a little bit before the podcast. You know, Chris Mack was he scheduled kind of like. I'm not gonna say like Denny Crum, but but he's scheduled very tough in the non-conference. It's and, and it's weird, right? On paper, you wouldn't think he's scheduled tough, but then at the you get to the NCAA tournament or the conference tournaments, and the teams are in the top two in their conference, or they're playing in the conference championship to go to the NCAA tournament. Like it was always like they scheduled strong non-conference mid into low majors. Like Chris Mack would play a challenge rather than just playing a cupcake. Right, right. Like for instance, perfect examples last year they played a, a Lipscomb. They played Nap State, which those are not teams that are historically great by any means, but they're teams that are good enough to beat you. Bellarmine is a team that's good enough to beat you, especially if you don't show up on your A game. If you have a Lipscomb with four or five seniors and you're playing four or five freshmen significant minutes, it doesn't matter how talented your freshmen are. If you have Bellarmine or Lipscomb that have been playing the same roster, they've been playing together for 80, 100 games, something like that, that, that matters. Chris Mack did that a lot. I think that made made the team more battle tested for conference play. Obviously, Chris Mack era was weird because they had the one season where they would have, would have been like a two or three seed in the tournament. So it's kind of weird to you know compare that to, to previous seasons. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I would look for Louisville schedule to be much softer, much cushier, kind of like uh, if you remember back when Rick Pitino was scheduling some of the non conferences when they played in the Big East. Uh, you'd have that like little stretch in December where they'd play like four games in, in nine days or something like that. And every one of the games would be like, you'd be, you'd, you know, have a ticket to the game or be turned on a game that you'd be like, who are we playing? You're like, I don't know. Something we're going to be by 30. Like that was just the, the consensus. It wasn't about, Oh, well, who's this team we're playing. It was like, yeah, we're playing like the Israel national team or like Texas grand Valley state. Like it just some, just some weird team that you've never heard of or that you've only played once and you won 100 uh, to 17 or something. It should be similar to that in that sense. Louisville's non-conference schedule was a bear last season. We talked about it going into the season, and people made fun of me. Uh, some people that might not be host at radio stations anymore said that it was ridiculous that I mentioned that I thought that Louisville would probably start 5-5 five and five or 6-4 and four or something like that, and then Louisville started out 0-9. Uh, and pe- people said that was ridiculous, but, I mean, that's what happened. Like they scheduled a difficult schedule and that's, that's exactly what happened. I don't think that'll be the case this year. And so by default, you could be looking at a team that's like nine and three with like a 20 point loss to Texas and a, in a 25 point loss to Indiana. Uh, and, you know, 
trying to think of who else they'd Kentucky would probably just Kentucky Bellarmine, like one of those. Yeah. I I just, I don't like, I don't know. The jury is out on whether that's true because you could add Western Michigan and still lose like Louisville proved last year, whether it was D one or D two, we we aren't afraid to lose to anybody until you shake, <laughs> until you shake that what a fucking line until you shake that you're you are that and so there's going to be games where Louisville opens the season against Fabio Basili and UT Arlington where you're like fuck I don't know we might lose man I have no idea but let's just go drink a beer at the Yum Center just for old time's sake uh, oh I mean yeah that's going to happen a lot this season Jacob there's going to be a lot of just like meandering down to some seat in like the third row uh you know drinking an 1150 Miller light and- <laughs> $11.50 beer to lose yeah, by and- 20. Just you talk about built different. Like you're getting your profit and I'm just going home sad. Like yeah. that's just the way it is. There will, there will be a day. There will be a day in this world where we're looking at our kids. We're sitting there on the couch and we're, you know, they're, they're yelling at the team because they're 13 and two in the expanded big 12 conference, you know, they, they, <laughs> the, in the 32 team, big 12 conference, you see every team half a time. They're just, they're yelling at the TV because, you know, whoever the player of the day isn't, isn't doing well. And I'm like, Johnny, listen, there was a day when Louisville didn't have five legitimate national championships without an asterisk next to it. And I know you're not going to believe this, but they lost to Bellerman. They lost to Lipscomb. They lost to Chaminade. They got blown out in the Maui Invitational by 35. Kenny Payne was the coach. Like he was wearing a stupid ass Hawaiian shirt, getting beat, just getting drummed, man. Kenny Payne just just getting drummed in his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> his red fucking Hawaiian punch shirt, man. Just like just it was it was embarrassing. Like that was the worst of the worst. There there will there will be a time that that comes though. Like I don't think that Wolves in Indiana, but like it's. God, it's feeling like that. Like it's, we're starting to get those vibes. And I think that's what fans are scared of, man. Like fans are scared that like the run from like 1972 to 2016, like that, like four or five decades of just greatness. I think people are afraid that that's going by the wayside, but I still contend that the sources around this program, that the money around the program, that the, that the facilities, that the support and the backing that this program has is too great to let things fall by the wayside. And I think that more than maybe any fan base, like this fan base is almost has a sense of entitlement a little bit because of just how well the the back half of the Patino era went. Uh, and even, you know, going back from for, to the crumb days, like there's just this sense of, you know, like we're not going to let this happen. Uh, I, I think there's, I mean, there's, there's that sense. Absolutely. And the fan base that shows up is passionate, but I will say that, that there's a lot of fans that speak with their money. I mean, fuck, look at football. Like, like there are more season tickets sold for football this year than fans that showed up to four out of, out of the six games last season. I can't confirm that officially, but I think it's pretty damn close. Like they sold 37,000 football tickets and that crazy game against Wake Forest, there were not 37,000 people there. And I was against a top 10 team. So fans speak with their money in this program. Jacob, you and I went to a lot of basketball games last season and there were a lot of games where the announced attendance was like 6,000. We're like, dude, there's like 1,500 people here. 
I could yell at you from across the court. Like yes. I, I know L heard me calling him Elbert. Like for sure he heard me. Yes. No oh, no yes. doubt. No Elbert doubt. Elbert from the elbow. That's it, right, baby. Pull within 12 with three minutes left. Uh that happened a lot. Louisville is forever last season, the Chris Paul uh YouTube video that's like Chris Paul hits a jumper to pull the lead within 42 or something like that whatever <laughs> you know what i mean it was just embarrassing so um, where so so tell me this before we get out of here jacob where does louisville go from here like is is there you, a definitive ceiling if they don't land anybody else I, I think your best hope is that over the offseason kenny nolan danny and josh got in their coaching bags and they went to every clinic Every seminar, they watched all the tape, they read the John Wooden books, uh, and they got their coaching back in check and back in line. And they come prepared to develop guys from day one to where they look at the end of the season. Last year, nobody at the end of the season outside of maybe Mike James and J.J. Trainer looked better than they were at the beginning of the season. This year, you need all 11 scholarship players to make a ginormous leap from game one to game whatever. I don't know how many they play in college basketball. I can never remember, like 35 or something like that. I think they uh, played 31. It's something weird. What was the record last year? Four and 28. So 32 they played 31 games. No, four four and 28 would be 32. Well, they would, they, didn't they go four that, and 29? Technically, no, they went four and twenty-eight. Okay, they, so okay, so they're okay. four and twenty-seven regular season. Let's get it straight, Jacob. Thank Let's you. Not get many extra losses. That's right. It's enough. Too many, but you gotta hope that these guys just aren't what they are at the end of the year uh, as to what they were at the beginning. And you gotta hope that there's injuries. You gotta hope that teams across the ACC don't live up to expectation. Or, I mean, you can get hot in these day and ages and and go on a run. That's just the only way I see it. I just, I, I, I have faith that they can have guys get better in certain areas, but, um, they got to do it in a lot of places to be better than last year. I mean, they're going to be better. You're going to win more than four games, but to be oh, yeah, a, yeah. significant enough to not just be a bottom dweller in the ACC. As, as our buddy, Mike Rutherford, which by the way, I hope his health is getting back to normal. It's scary what happened the other day, but as Mike said on Twitter, he, you can lock it in stone. Five wins. It will happen this year. Five wins is going to happen, but no, when I look at the season and, and you know, we'll, we'll have two, three months to really preview the season. Uh, I think we were waiting for a piece of news to to come along to really uh, get the podcast up and going for the regular season. And of course the piece of news happened to be about as negative of a piece of news as you can get. Right. I I think if we're, if we're looking at the very early big picture, positive spin cycle type of news, Louisville had four guys at the end of last season that I think that you could confidently say were, you know, Things were looking in the right direction for those players. I will argue that there might be a fifth in in Jalen Withers. I thought that Jalen Withers from beyond the arc last season was a weapon. Uh, When you have a guy that's 6'9 and you can freaking just shoot 40%, freaking knock down daggers 30 feet. I think it's one thing to get hot when you're getting smacked by 30. That's true. That's a good point. That's good. How many of those threes came in Louisville when the teams were just like, oh, don't shoot it? You know what I mean? That that's such a good point too because I I think that Jalen Withers like just trying to recall maybe hit like two threes in like the last like four minutes of a game so right that, that that might be a moot point but but regardless you look at the roster right you have Hersey Miller Brandon Huntley Hatfield Mike James 
J.J. Trainer, Manny Corfor. So four scholarship guys and Hersey Miller. Well, and Hersey's going to – I mean, he's going to get a scholarship at this point. Like him and Sam, yeah, yeah, and that, go ahead and fill him out. That could be the other side of things. And then shout out to Ross Profiter, by the way, on Twitter. He is pretty emphatic that Louisville will, will only still have one scholarship if Tyler Johnson doesn't show up because Trenton Flowers has already played in too many practices which would absolutely suck just the biggest wiener ever. But but regardless, when you look at this roster and you, you try to find positives, they did take – you were trying to hold in that laugh. I cannot believe that you just used the phrase suck the biggest wiener ever. Well, I was going to say something, something much more vulgar than I All really right, man. I was Wrap probably going to listen to this. <laughs> when you look at this roster and you think about the players that finished last year on a good note, I thought that Brandon Huntley Hatfield does Stop not it. receive – Stop it. He doesn't Stop receive. It. Stop it. I don't, you don't need lane. to say anything else. They four and 28, man. Like uh-huh. it doesn't matter if Brent Huntley Hatfield dropped 70 and had his little picture taken with a small piece of paper with the number on it. Like nobody would care, man. Nobody care. They won but, four games. It doesn't matter. Brandon Huntley Hatfield could be doing the hot sauce, like the, the slip and slide, whatever the, the move was back in the day where you would roll over and dribble at the same time. Nobody cares. It literally doesn't matter. They were so bad. There is, it's a blank slate. They all got to come out and just be something different at this point or else you're going to talk about – it's going to be like the Flint Tropics up in there. Like they're going to have to have freaking Kenny Payne wrestle a bear at halftime to get somebody in the stands. <laughs> Everybody gonna... gets free corn dogs, Jackie. Free corn dogs, Jackie. Free corn dogs for all these people because Hersey Miller hit a half-court shot. Like, <laughs> Do you have any of the small checks? It's going to be a fan at halftime <laughs> trying to get – oh, man. Yeah, it's like a, a bad situation. I drive – I drive a two door. I can't put this giant check in my car. No, regardless, no. I, I think that there are there are positives, but I I think the main thing that you look at is this team has to develop an identity of being a defensive minded team. Period. They have no shot if they don't. They have no shot. And when when I tell you that statistically, since they've been keeping statistics on defense, and granted, yes, I know that Rick Pitino was the coach, and he's one of the best defensive coaches of all time. I get that. But this is, like, hands down the worst defensive team Wolves had since Denny Crumbs last year's when Wolves was kind of limping along there. I can't remember seeing a worse college def- defensive team in college. Like, you'd have to think about, like, uh, like Pittsburgh back when uh, Kevin... Kevin from the office. I mean, Kevin Malone, man. When Kevin from the office was coaching Pittsburgh? No, it was Kevin Stallings. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Stallings, Stallings yeah. was coaching. Do you remember the season? Was, was Patino still the coach? I think he was. When when Louisville went to Pitt and it was like sixty to thirty at halftime, you remember that they won like they won like one eighteen to fifty eight or something like that, and that's that's what Louisville felt like last season on defense. Like it felt like there was no improvement ever. Like it just felt like defense was just an, an optional thing. And so you had like the games when they won last season, they they didn't beat WKU you know sixty to fifty. They beat WKU like ninety eight to eighty eight or something. It was just a different mentality last season. It was like a gunslinger mentality. Three out of the four wins that they had. Like Clemson was just like their night and they were just making every shot that they took. Same with WKU. Like there was never a time when Louisville played solid defense. If you remember the the Florida State game, we were going crazy and Louisville tied it up and then ended up losing by three towards the end. That was just Florida State just being a terrible team. Like they were just going down the floor and just jacking stuff up and Louisville just happened to have a a stretch where L. Ellis made a few good plays. Mike James made a couple threes and they, you know, they got things tied up, but like 
point that I'm trying to get to is they have to have a defensive identity. If they can do that, like if you can bring it, if you can have, you know, a, a Mike James and a, a, a Caleb Glenn and a Dennis Evans playing like a, a really solid lockdown defense, you can have a lineup like that, like you can depend on to defend. That could be a game changer. And you get the mojo rolling, you know, you play Kennesaw State and West Alabama Tech, and you win a few games by 10, 12 to start the season. You get the ball rolling, and all of a sudden you're like, like I said, eight and four, nine and three, something like that. Then, yeah, then you can start having a conversation about, okay, does this team have what it takes to make the tournament? But it's got to be, it's you got to start somewhere. You can't have that devastating non-conference loss, right? Like you can't can't. lose to Bellarmine again. You can't Can't lose to to Northwestern Florida State Tech. Like you're right. You can't. No, you cannot. Andy Bashir would say we can't be doing that. Can't Can't be doing that. that. No. But if they can get through that and get to conference play, grab a couple of the the games that are kind of 50-50s, beat the Georgia Techs, take care of the uh, the the uh, Boston Colleges. Um, Some of the, I mean, Notre Dame is going to be Louisville last year Notre Dame doesn't even have like I don't even know if they have nine scholarship players let alone 13 but if you can take care of them and sweep a couple of those avoid maybe hopefully avoid a bad loss and then you can steal one or two from a Duke Virginia Virginia Tech split with NC State split with Clemson like if you can kind of maintain 50-50 in the ACC without a bad loss and then get to conference play and win one or two it's a it, that's the thing like it's just a it's a game changer but the thing is, is you got to have confidence to be able to do that and i don't think anybody does at this point but hey it's a long off season we'll get there you know what they do have confidence in shameless plug from the pink seats podcast they have confidence in that and Louisville football because jeff brahm is back uh, and he loves jesus and he may cuss a little it's got to be on a shirt we gotta put it that does. on a shirt no i want it on a shirt just for myself because i i can relate bro i say a lot of things i don't mean but I still, I still love the Lord. I, I love the Lord, but I might say his name sometimes in a bad way. Dude, let's get the heck out of here. Let's get out of That's here. My wife's sleeping. I need right to go now. wake her up. Yeah, do, yeah. Do not go wake your child up. Do not do that. No, I'm not going to wake the child up. I'm going to wake her up, and then I got to decide. At this point, dinner still hasn't been made. Do I cook? Does she cook? Do we go get Taco Bell? Because that's what I'm kind of feeling right now. We'll determine and we'll report back on that. Go get a cheesy gordita crunch. Beefy five-layer burrito, brother. Starting 502. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.